0: Hey everyone, it's Motsi. Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to whoever celebrates. Though Hainai is currently on hiatus to enjoy the holidays and prepare for our upcoming fundraiser, we wanted our listeners to have something to enjoy in the meantime. So here is an extended excerpt from a brand new short story, "Petia," a Hainai love story. The full story will be made available on our Patreon patreon.com slash H-I-N-A-Y-P-O-D. We're also aiming to get to 1,000 subscribers on YouTube, so if you haven't subscribed already, please do, and you'll be able to enjoy the bonus Hainai short story, Remind Me To Tell You Later, Batibat, as well as other benefits we'll be able to unlock once we hit 1K. Now, please sit back, relax, and enjoy this love story with callbacks to other characters, a lot of romance, and a lot of body horror. Please check the uh, content warnings. Thank you. We love you. And maligayang Pasko. You're listening to Hainai, by Motsi Dapu. a Hainai love story. Becha just wanted to help. He always wanted to help. He wasn't often very good at it. But he gave it his best, and always had a soft heart for those who looked to him for aid. Not that there were many who did in his life. He was very clumsy, you see, too eager for his tall, wiry frame. Like a newborn fawn, too awkward on its long legs. It had been so when he was very young and it was a trait he retained well into adulthood, though many thorough thrashings by his father taught him a sense of decorum. It was enough that he learned shame, his eagerness, tempered by the knowledge that if he was too quick to hold a hand out, that he was as liable to strike someone as to assist them. Still, When he was asked, he provided aid without hesitation. It was simply how he was. Growing up in a household where very little was expected of him, for fear of his inability to perform his duties to his father's standard. That was why, when he was asked to represent the family in a venture, set out by a friend of his father's, he was more than happy to fulfill his duties. As he would find out later, his usefulness extended mostly to allowing his father to engage in the pretense of care for his old friend's strange venture. Mysticism was fashionable among the elites in parts of Europe and America, that was for sure. But to lend it any sort of credence was far beneath the Ilyich patriarch not so his son, who would take his place attending Savard's soirees. If nothing else, Pecha was attentive, and though he did not understand all the concepts Savard presented alongside those who had won his favor, it seemed that the man respected his willingness to learn more than the absent attendance of his vapid peers. In his time... He was kind to many, but had few friends in the Ordo. The closest he might consider friendship was with the unassuming Nessie Smith, who took time to explain certain concepts to him, and even stood beside him the night Savard made his first sacrifice. Petya could not look. He knew it was childish for what coward would hide from such a turning point in order's power? Though Nessie seemed sympathetic, even she did not look away, when a man died before them, giving true power and veracity to what had, up until that point, been speculation. After that day, Becha learned, slowly, And yet, his was a knowledge not many could lay claim to. And for once in his life, he felt as though he could be useful, helpful. He'd walked out of the general practice when he saw the most captivating eyes he had ever seen, ever so briefly before they looked down in what, for others, might have been shame. But the look of the stranger, betcha could not imagine shame crossing this beautiful stranger's perfect, doll-like face. For what would such a transcendental beauty have to be ashamed of? He could not tell if they were man or woman, for they were more beautiful than any woman that had vied for or eschewed Pecha's attention, and yet wore a masterfully tailored suit that seemed hardly to crease even as they sat in the front hall of the private practice. They were reading a green leather bound, bearing the title The Integrative Action of the Nervous System in gold-embossed lettering. They were clearly well-to-do, both in appearance and presence, at such an exclusive office. But Petya had never seen them among his peers, who had become familiar amongst their social circles. Are you a doctor as well? he couldn't help but ask, drawing those eyes back to his own. They were more like a doll's than he'd first thought, framed by thick lashes, great and black, somehow both more expressive, yet unreadable at once. Yes, said the other, their voice surprisingly quiet, gentle, alluring. But even doctors have ailments they cannot themselves diagnose. It's why we have specialities. And your specialty? They raised their book, tapping on the cover with a wry smile, barely stretching small lips. A study of the neurosciences, a more niche specialization, to be sure. My own general practice attracts more success, though St. Michael's has given me ample employment as a surgeon. If Pecha were honest, this stranger could have said anything at all, and he would have been intrigued. But to see such a person achieve so much, so young, in contrast with his own life, spent passing time wanting for nothing, and lagging in his own study of another man's work, well, he was... enamored. Petr, he said. Petr Ilyich. The mild interest on the stranger's face transformed and they smiled truly, some sort of jolliness alighting in their eyes. <laughs> "'You may call me Drosselmeyer, they said, as though sharing an amusing joke. Pecha didn't understand it at the time. Only later would he discover the coincidence of his name, and this lovely doctor's admiration of another Ilyich, and his great compositions.' but they still seem to enjoy, or in the very least, warmly tolerate his questions. The two of them sat together in that foyer, chatting in easy companionship, until a nurse approached them to hand the visiting doctor a set of complex notes that they set to reading, eyes flying across the page, The nurse looked between Petya and the doctor for a moment, but something about his expression must have reassured her. So she took her leave, face grim. The doctor's mood seemed to shift, their smile disappearing entirely, face paling even in the warm light of the incandescence. "'It was lovely to meet you, Petter,' they said. It was an abrupt end to their conversation.' And as the doctor stood to leave, out of impulse, Petya asked to accompany them. They looked so faint, troubled, and Petya, as always, only wanted to help. The doctor looked uncertain, just for a moment, before accepting with a gentle smile that made Petya's heart flutter. He extended a hand and the doctor ran their gloved fingers across Petcha's palm before clasping it like a solemn agreement. It was the first time they had ever met, and yet... Petcha was enamored forever. The time Petcha spent with his beloved doctor would live forever in his memory, though for a time it was something of a one-sided affair. Though Drosselmeier kept their feelings close to the chest, they spoke of their work with such authority and knowledge that, in comparison, Becha felt inadequate. In looking for something to share that might match the quality of Drosselmeier's brilliance, he began to share what he learned from his time with the Ordo, of Savard's mysticism, and the results of his people's experimentation. "'It was, at first, met with skepticism. "'And Pecha was quick to speak of all he had seen "'that warded away his own uncertainty "'of the man who had died with naught but chanted words. "'Drosselmeyer had many a theory to spare "'of how the man died, "'each more scientific than the last. "'But Pecha, in fear of losing their regard, "'promised to master a spell he had been slow to learn.' And show them the truth of the matter—the power Salvard had promised and delivered. It was knowledge Pecha had not even shared with his own father, who had long ago dismissed the order's work as a flight of fancy of an otherwise reasonable man. Pecha set to work mastering the spell of healing, knitting skin together without seam, reversing damage—a spell fit for a doctor. Unlike anything other members had been working on, with their use of fire, ice, and shadow, he showed it to his beloved doctor, cutting his arm upon their kitchen table. He was not used to such pain, but when the doctor held his other hand he was able to master himself, and his skin rejoined until there was no mark left but the bit of blood that had escaped the wound. There was a shift in their interactions when he showed his work. Drosselmeier asked to learn, and he taught them to the best of his ability, lending them the power he had access to through Savard's foci. Drosselmeier was, he thought, enamored with him the moment he proved his usefulness. They gave him more affection, and he hungered for it. He began to learn more of the craft, more spells to deliver to his doctor, more knowledge from Savard himself, who noticed his drive and allowed it to flourish. He did not know what the doctor did with the spells they learned. He never thought to ask never considered what they might be practicing whenever they left the city for their second home, a brick house in the picturesque town of Hyde. It was not trust that he had for the doctor. Becho was clumsy and too eager, but he was no great fool. It was simply that he was intoxicated, both by his adoration for the doctor, who reserved their secret smiles for him alone, and by the feeling of being needed. All other feelings paled in comparison to these. Mistrust, uncertainty, fear, all fell away to the ecstasy of being useful. Every sense that could have warned him of what was to come all fell away. You're listening to Hainai by Motsi Dapul